0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen and amen. Alrighty, It's Father's Day. And so in honor of Father's Day, I'm going to be sharing a message titled, Biblical Fatherhood. Biblical fatherhood. Biblical fatherhood is not like um, just regular fatherhood. And we're going to be looking at some unique verses in the Word of God. Um, Over the last couple of days, I've been looking for articles about fatherhood and about dads. Um, And it's been interesting because there have been very few, I'm actually going to quote one, article from USA Today um, however if you look in the in all of the different media outlets especially whatever is kind of printed or on your iPad one of the things that you'll notice is that there is lots of uh, material out there focusing on the plight of women the the, the elevating of women and um, uh, uh, there are. There's a new statue at Wall Street. It's a little girl standing like this called Girl Power. <laughs> Wonder Woman just came out. And in the movies. There's all of this stuff about women. Um, lots of articles. And all of that is true. All of that is good. How many know it's great for women to be elevated uh, in a culture? It's fine. It's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. However... However, biblically speaking, manhood and fatherhood is vitally important. You could say a stronger amen to that. Don't be afraid. Ladies, are you going to get offended if the men say amen to that? Right? Fatherhood and manhood is vitally, vitally important to our culture, our families, our society, to this world, God uh, uh, desires for fatherhood and for biblical manhood to also be supported and elevated. Um, I was listening to to, uh, a message, and it was really about something completely different, but the speaker said something that I thought was, like, uniquely true. I don't have a, a statistic on it, but he said that this generation is probably the most fatherless, Generation uh, um, in the history of America that's not directly after a war. Okay, so you understand after World War One and World War Two or the Civil War, great wars that have taken place. It makes sense because of war for for uh, children to lack fathers, but because of the brokenness of family, because of because of the destruction. Of biblical manhood and fatherhood in our culture, uh, um, this really is. I don't know that it's true, but I believe it bears witness with everyone that this probably is the most fatherless generation uh, uh, that this nation has ever known. And I believe that it is a work of the enemy to assault biblical manhood and fatherhood. You see? The devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and by destroying manhood, by, by demeaning men. How many have noticed that, that uh, well, you have to be a certain age to know this. When I was a kid, uh, um, TV shows used to elevate fatherhood. Now, uh, TV shows and sitcoms, the man is always the buffoon and the dummy. We went from Father Knows Best and from all sorts of shows where the man was a good, solid, strong man who had wisdom to all sorts of shows where the mother and the kids are always making fun of the dad and the the dad is a big, giant dummy. You think that that just happened? No, that's a work of the enemy. He's the prince of the power of the air. And... um, What I want to do is look at what the Bible says about manhood and fatherhood. And I want want to say up front that they're both connected. Biblical manhood and biblical fatherhood are both connected in Scripture. We had a a young lady pray for the offering, one of our youth, um, so beautifully in the second service. In the first service, I gave the mic to one of the young man, 11-year-old, and he took the mic and he prayed with great authority. It was powerful. He was talking about the streets of gold in heaven. I was like, come on, brother, and preach. (laughs) Hallelujah. But how many know it's right that our 11-year-old boy should know the Word of God and be able to quote it with power and authority? How many would say amen? Amen. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read a couple of verses to you and make a, a few framing points before we get into the message. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to begin, Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it, it reveals the, the six days of creation, and we're coming, on to the, we're coming to the moment where God had created the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish and the animals and the birds and the trees, and then there's a shift And after all of this creation, God says, the Bible says, then God said, let us make man in our image, everyone say image, after our likeness, everyone say likeness. What I'm trying to do is highlight the key words of this passage. He says, let us make man in our our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, everyone say dominion. Okay. It says, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, uh, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And then it says, male and female, he created them. Now, part of what this is saying is that man was made first. And what it's also saying is that man was made in the image of God. Now, God does not have a human form. Okay, the Bible says that God is a spirit. What this is talking about is about the nature and the character of God. Sometimes you see a young man and you say, he looks like his father. Okay, And when you say he looks like his father, sometimes there are some physical characteristics about him. But sometimes there are things about the way he moves and the way he says things that he reflects his father. This is talking about reflecting the nature and the character of God. That's why there's a double word. It says, in his image, after our likeness, which means God made man to not only be in his image, but to actually be like him. It also says that when God created man, that it was his will for him to have dominion, which meant that it was God's will for men to lead. And that's okay. Men are called to lead. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, it's okay for men to lead. Men don't have to be embarrassed about being called to lead. It's part of the image of God. You know Now, notice it says, so he created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Part of what this is saying is that woman was also created in in the image of God. Women were not less than man. Women were also created in the image of God. They were equal, but they have different roles to play. This is the way God created it. Equal, co-heirs. Okay, both made in the image of God, but there, was, uh, there were different roles and different assignments for them to play in the home. Now, let's keep going. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful. Everyone say fruitful. It says, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now what I want to point out to you also about this passage of Scripture is that when God created men and women, there was a shift. You see, there are a lot of philosophies in this world that people say we are, uh, um, we are animals too. How many know human beings are not animals We're not like animals. There are philosophies that stem from from, um, the mindset of evolution. But we don't believe in evolution. We believe that men and women were created in the image of God. We are different from animals. Animals don't, don't, don't operate the way we do. Do animals reproduce? Yes, but it's a different kind. It's a, it's a different mindset. We are here. We are moral beings. We are spiritual beings. We're called to be like God and to represent God. Animals don't represent God, but men are called to do so. Then here's the last thing I want to point this out. He says, Be fruitful and multiply. Now, the difference between man. Uh, uh, and the animals, is that animals can be fruitful and multiply. Vegetables can be fruitful and multiply, but not like mankind. The reason being is because we are made in the image of God. And so when man is fruitful, it's not just physical and material, it's also spiritual. Okay? Okay? When God said be fruitful and multiply, he was talking about more than just the material world. He was talking about the spiritual world because man is made in his image, okay? And God is a spirit and his kingdom is spiritual. So how many know our fruitful is not just material, it's also spiritual? Is everybody following me so far? Okay? Okay? So, so, when, so when, when Paul said, Timothy, my son, in the faith, was he his physical son? No, but he was still fruitful because he had a spiritual son. Yesterday we had a men's game day, and uh, um, in the men's game day, Uh, A bunch of brothers got together in a park, and they played some games, and somebody came from the neighborhood, never came to our church, and a brother who actually got saved at our church during the KWA time, he came because of KWA with his family, and he gave his heart to the Lord, and I remember all five of them got baptized, if I'm not mistaken, all five of them got baptized at the same time, and then he began to grow in God and serve in the church, his whole family. Today he's on staff. Well, yesterday he gave his testimony, and now at when he gave his testimony, two people accepted the Lord. One guy never even walked through the doors of the church. Can we praise God? Hallelujah! But see, that's fruitfulness, but that's spiritual fruit. He's a spiritual father. Okay, so it's important for us to understand when, we, as we look at these 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 passages of Scripture that we're talking about spiritual things. Now I want to give you one other verse about about fatherhood and specifics and tie these two together. In the book of Malachi, these are the last verses in the Old Testament. Okay, the very last verses of the Old Testament. And here's what God prophesied. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Very interesting passage of Scripture. Okay, very interesting verse here. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the father. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, what this is saying, in part, is whenever you see a land, a generation, a people that have absent fathers, it's almost like there's a judgment on the land. You see? And God says that he wants to send revival, and part of the way that he sends revival is he moves on the hearts of the fathers Well, I'm talking about more than just physical or biological fathers. I'm talking about biblical fatherhood, which is spiritual as well. Okay? We all understand. Well, let me read to you very quickly what a USA Today article, just a quote from USA Today. It says, studies show children with involved fathers, stepdads, or read these two words with me, ready? Father figures are less likely to get in trouble with the law, tend to do better in school, and are more likely to hold a job. USA Today, why diets matter according to science. Even science proves out what the Word of God says. How many would say amen? Amen. Amen. You see, and part of what this is saying is that there's something powerful upon men It's biblical manhood, but it's also biblical fatherhood. God puts something on men that whether they are a biological father or not, when they're walking in the image of God because we are image bearers, When we're walking in the call of God and in the image of God, we can have a powerful impact wherever we go, even a father figure. That's the beauty and the power of the church of Jesus Christ because people could come in lacking all sorts of things, all sorts of figures, and because there are men of God in the house, they can receive from men of God, biological or not. But spiritually speaking, they can receive and powerful things can happen. We can have a 30-year-old guy whose physical, whose biological dad let him down. And he can get around three, four, five men his age and older. And because of biblical fatherhood and manhood upon their lives, he can be impacted and grow and developed. And so what is lacking in the world, how many know, is found in the house of God. Can I get an amen? That's the beauty of the kingdom of God, you see. And so, uh, um, so let me sum this up, and we're going to pray in a moment. But, so th- three quick statements, okay, to sum up these two verses, and then we're going to unpack the last verse for a minute. But number one, fatherhood is a manifestation of the image of God. Fatherhood is a manifestation of the image of God. In other words, biblical manhood... And biblical fatherhood are really, it's almost like one in the same. You see? For example, let's say there's a bunch of 12-year-olds on, the, on, a, on, a, on, a, uh, on a basketball court. And one kid starts to tease another kid. Or a bunch of kids starts to tease one kid. And then one kid stands up and says, hey, 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 chill out, stop that. We're not going to do that here. And he stands up and protect him. What is that, that 12-year-old walking in? He's walking in biblical manhood. He's actually taking the role of a protective father. Is he his father? No, but he's walking in what God made him to be. God has called us to be protectors. How many would say amen? That's what fathers are supposed to be. You see? So this is a very important principle because men of God are called to step into this world and present the image of God. And whenever we present the image of God, the spirit of fatherhood is embedded deeply within. Number two, fatherhood is spiritual. A lot of people here grew up and didn't have a dad or a dad that served the Lord, and yet you have spiritual dads. Is that not embedded in the, in the New Testament? Paul to Timothy, my son in the true faith. My, my biological dad was a great dad, but he didn't teach me the Bible. Pastor Simbla was my spiritual dad. You see, there were other people that play this role, and we need to recognize the value of spiritual fatherhood. It's something that we, we lack and we don't, we don't understand God's intended power for every time the met every single man in this room, every time you walk into a room, you have a role to play and that is a call to bear the image of God. This is, this is important stuff here today. Okay? And you got to put on your spiritual thinking caps. And then here's the last thing. This, what this is saying is is that fatherhood is an instrument of revival. He says, I'm going to turn things around by turning the hearts of fathers towards their children. So fatherhood, as much as it's important to elevate women in our culture and all that, all of these programs, all of these articles, all of these shows, all of these things, and meanwhile, no one's talking about men. Okay, and I, I, and I don't have any problem with that. Listen, it's not either or; it's both and. You see, we don't have to put women down to lift men up. Can I get an amen? But we need the men to be lifted up by the power of the Most High God. And so, I want to pray now, and I want to, I want to talk, uh, uh, um. I want to talk about what does, it, what does a, a, a fatherhood or a biblical manhood really look like in the life of a man. And, and again, I want to say all men. Let me just say it this way. All men are called to walk in the fatherhood of God. All men. So whether you're single here, listen to me. Whether you're single here, whether you're 13. Do you know in the Jewish culture when a, when a young boy turns 13 years old, it's, it, he becomes bar mitzvah. And what they're saying is, is we've been training you in the Word of God since you were a little baby. Now you're 13. Now we want you to ascend. It means they stand up in the pulpit. They read the Word of God. And they're saying, you're 13 years old. You're a man now. Live out the Word of God to the whole world. Speak the Word of God. It's the first time they let them speak the Word of God. Take your pulpit and declare who God is and show who God is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how many know we need 13-year-olds standing up and declaring that they belong to God and live for God and love God? That's the heart and soul of that, you know. So I want to pray today. I want to pray that we would take our role as the image of God and we would... See, let me say this last thing before we pray, okay? There was a time... When little boys would grow up and say to themselves, I'm going to be a dad one day. It's natural. I'm going to be like my dad one day. Okay? But, this, but, but the culture, the work of the enemy has been undermining this, undermining this, undermining this. You know? going 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 after the family, diminishing the family, devaluing the father, devaluing uh, manhood. What happens in the world happens in the world. What we're focusing on is what happens in the church. You see, and when revival hits any place, okay, it begins with the church. God is able to do something in the church. I want to pray for Chicago Tabernacle. I want to pray for all of the churches that God would visit empower, that he would visit churches and that men would be raised up in the, in, the, in the power of God to declare and reflect the image of God. How many believe that this is a good prayer to pray today? Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful service. We thank you for this time that we have been spending together, worshiping you, honoring you. Loving you, God, declaring your goodness and your greatness. And God, we thank you now for your word. Your word is life. Your word is light. Your word has transforming power. Your word says we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And God, I pray today in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that your church would be an instrument of freedom in Chicago, Lord. God, the crisis, oh God, that is taking place in this city can be turned if you would send revival to the church. And God, you said that when you send revival to the church, you would do something in the hearts of men, and you would raise them up to walk in the spirit of fatherhood, and you would turn the hearts of men, oh God, to lead and to teach children, God. And Father, we lift up Chicago Tabernacle, we lift up every church in this city, and God, we ask that you would send revival, and revival means, oh God, that you would do a powerful work in the men, oh God. Do a work by your spirit, oh God. Single men, young men, oh God. Boys that are 11 years old. Oh God, all the way to to 89 years old. 109 years old. So God, bless this word in the next few moments. Speak deeply to our hearts, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. All men are called to walk in the fatherhood of God. And so when God turns the heart of the father to his son, what does that reveal about the image of God? Okay, what does that reveal? What does that look like? A man represents the fatherhood of God by four things that I want to lay out to you. The first one is he reflects the fatherhood of God by reflecting the authority of God. When God turns the hearts of fathers back to sons, when we men walk in the, in the fatherhood and biblical manhood, part of what happens is that we begin to reflect the authority of God. Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. What that means is Jesus spoke for God, Jesus spoke to God, and Jesus as King acted for God. And when a man of God is, is is bearing the image of God, guess what he does? He speaks for God. How are people gonna hear the word of God if it doesn't come out of our mouths? How many know what this world needs is men who walk into situations and circumstances, and the word of God is coming out of their mouth. And someone says there's a man of God in the house, there's a man who seeks the face of God. There's a man who makes choices and decisions for the glory of God. Something happens when a man of God steps into the room. Pastor Matt is, is uh, getting his um, executive MBA at Kellogg. And he, he, there are 65 people in the program. Um, he's the only pastor. And um, all of these brilliant minds and, and like successful people to the max the hilt and they're in conversations and all sorts of things are are happening and pastor Matt is there and how many times do they say something they go oh they go sorry Matt. <laughs> excuse me man i say it's all good <laughs> but how many know that's not because of the title pastor it's because there's a man of god in the house how many would say amen When a man of God is in the house, everybody feels it. Men are called to walk in that authority. Exercise dominion. It's part of the image of God. And authority, listen, it's very important to our children. As Christians, our homes need to understand the authority of God. Authority is foundational to order and respect you know, you can't, if a, if a child doesn't understand authority, he'll never understand true order. You see, if a, if a child doesn't learn to respect, he'll never learn how to flow and operate in kingdom authority. Because the authority of God flows, the grace of God flows through people who respect authority. Those are the people that God uses. God doesn't use people who rebel against his authority. It's people who respect and honor his authority. So it's important for us to teach our children this. And when, when, when we walk into the room, there should be a sense of God is here. Our children should feel that. Wives should feel that. Co-workers should feel that, you know? And it, it's funny because, uh, uh, let's take the Pastor Matt illustration. Pastor Matt has talked to so many on a very personal, private level. He's talked to so many people who, who, you know, make a gazillion times more money than he does and have so much more education than he has and all of these things. But you know what? There's a man of God in the room. Now, here's the last thing I want to say about this, okay? The Bible says, and I just read it to you, that God said, let us make him. It was a decision that God made. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them exercise dominion and let them be fruitful. Okay? Now that image piece, which represents the authority of God and dominion, which represents the authority of God, that part of God comes only from God. Can I tell you over the years how many times I've been in in marriage counseling and I've said to a man, okay, has God called you to be the head of your house, to be the leader? Okay, did God call you to do that? And they'll say, Yes. I said, Who made you the leader of the house? God did. Now, I'm not, ladies, I'm not talking about, I am man, you know, this is my house. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about biblical leadership. Husband loves your wives as Christ loved the church, laying down his life. I'm talking about biblical leadership. But at the same time, I said, Who gave that to you? God. I said, Who can take it away? No one but God. And God won't take that away. Because he made you to be like him. Now here's the thing. I want to say this to every single man in this room. I don't care if you're, you're, you're nine years old. Today, if, if you're if you're male, you're a man. Okay? You're a man here. You've been made in the image of God. No one, no one, no one can ever take that away from you. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. No one can take that away from you. you know? However, here's the thing. We'll pray for this at the end of this. Okay? We can surrender it. Sometimes men yield the authority and the image of God. And we want to pray today that their God would start a revival by starting a revival in every man. That men would start to walk in the word of the Lord and in and, and, and prophet, priest, and king, just like Jesus. So, man represents the fatherhood of God, number one, by reflecting the authority of God. Secondarily, man represents the fatherhood of God by revealing the affection of God. By revealing the affection of God. Now this is a unique point. Some people might think this is a strange point. But I have news for you. God is affectionate. And the holy affection of God strengthens, comforts, and heals everyone. The holy affection of God heals people. Holy affection makes people better. Better. People were made for affection, but holy affection. One of the ways that Jesus revealed the affection of the father is in the amazing story of the prodigal of the son. When the story culminates, you know the story of the son who took all of his father's stuff and went and spent it on, on loose living and crazy living. And then he's, he finds himself eating with pigs. Then he decides to go back home and says, at least my dad will make me a servant. I'll eat better. And look at what the Bible says in, uh, in the book of Luke. Luke 15 says... But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Okay, he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. This story is specifically revealing the heart of the father. Of our heavenly Father, our God is an affectionate God, and He loves to comfort us. He wants us to. He He wants to wrap His arms around us, and something powerful happens when a man walks in holy affection. When you walk in holy affection, it's like God is coming to the room. Holy affection heals people. It helps people. Can I tell you? I was I was a, a young young, young Christian, and I I was being discipled by a a New York City police officer. His name was Jimmy. And Jimmy one day read an article in the New York Post, and the article said um, that there were these men, drag queens. Everybody know what a drag queen is? Okay, you do now, because they're all over the place now, right? And so there were these drag queens that were living on the west side of Manhattan in an abandoned garbage dump, the salt mines. It's where they would store the salt to spread spread the salt when it snowed. That's where they were living. It was like a garbage dump. And he said to me, he said, we've gotta make some food and take it to them and share the gospel with them. And I'm gonna get a group of people to go. You you wanna go with me? And I was like. Like, really? But nonetheless, I went. Okay? And look, I want you to know something, okay? God was about to teach me the greatest lesson about His love that I ever learned in any place at any time. I didn't understand God's love until I started hanging out with some drag queens. So here's what happened. So we went to the west side the first night. I'll never forget the first night. It was, it was a group of men and women. We took women with us. And um, it was late at night um, because they would gather at night. And what, what they would do is they would go on a mission. These were men who were dressed like women. They were hooked on crack. And at night, especially on the weekends, cars would come like a line of cars and pick these men up and all kinds of vile, dirty things would happen. Then they would drop, pay them, drop them off. And when they got enough money, they would buy bundles of crack and they would do crack, 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 crack until they just crashed. They called it going on a mission and the guy would crash. And then when they would crash, when they would come down, they would all reconvene, so to speak, and and be in these abandoned garbage trucks. So the first night we went, they had all come down off of a crack binge and it was right by a meat market. All right. And what they would do is they would pick meat out of the garbage the leftovers when the butchers would cut and they would find little scraps of beef and they, were, they would kind of cook it over a fire and they would pick off those little, that's what they would eat because they didn't want to spend their money on food. It was for crack. Okay, so if it wasn't donated, they weren't eating. So I'll never forget the first night. So they had the pieces of fat there. And what we did was, because there were all of these rats running around, okay, I'm not exaggerating. It's a true story. There were rats running around. And what we did was, is we put the women on the inside to talk because they were afraid of the rats. And we put the men on the outside because we had to get used to this. You know? Honestly, we had to get used to it. It was like, whoa. Now, I know that we're living in a day that somebody might think that I'm being politically incorrect or being critical. I'm not being critical at all. Just listen to my story. You judge after I finish. Okay? So anyway, um, I was like, Lord, but but here was what the amazing thing. The amazing thing was is that I've been in prayer meetings. I was in moves of God in Bible school. I've been in prayer meetings here. I've been in church services where the presence of God came down where it was almost like no one, it was like the glory of God was there. I'm telling you right now, over that, over that kind of crack then with those mice and all that, I have never ever felt the presence, the power, and the love of God in a greater way than that night. God was there. And I was, I was going out of my mind. I was like, Lord, I don't even know your heart. And God was showing me how much he loved them. It was overwhelming, the love of God in that place with the rats and these guys. It was overwhelming. The love of God was overwhelming. Now, let me tell you something that happened. So we started going week after week. I got called to the ministry preaching to drag queens. I preached my first sermon to about 18 drag queens. All right, and and uh, we kept going and going. And here's the thing that here's one of the strongest things that changed the men. You know what it was? It was holy affection. When we would sit with those guys. Take them out to eat. When we would sit in a restaurant, and come on, we walk into the walk into a West restaurant with a guy who's smelly, stinky, but he's dressed like a woman. You know, they would like, who walked into this place? But we walk in. Hey, what do you want? You want this? And we're sitting there laughing with them and all that, and they're looking at us, and we would see them looking at us. In fact, in the beginning, a lot of them spoke Spanish. We spoke Spanish. We could hear them saying kind of dirty things about us, and we used to be like, Oh, Jesus. But see, listen, holy affection is powerful. Because those guys knew that as we hugged them, as when we hugged them, it wasn't a dirty hug. It was a holy hug. It was a father's hug. How many would say amen? I remember going to church, listen. I'm going to have to make my last two points in like four minutes. But listen, I remember going to church and some older brother saying, hey, don't, don't, don't hug those guys. Slap them on the back. Teach them how to be men. We're like, okay. Okay. You don't even get it. You don't get that when, when these guys were little boys, no one hugged them. The only, the only touch that they got from men for the most part were, were ugly touches. Were dirty touches. A lot of people talk about this. But listen, I have talked to drag queens and people battle with, I have talked to them for hours and hours and hours. I know the true deal. The true story. You look in their history and in their, you know, kids are not supposed to be having sex at 7 years old or 10 years old or, 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 or 12 years old. Okay? But see, these are the things that were happening to these guys. Story after story. But as we love them, we watch them change. I'll never forget, our first convert there, his name, his, I don't remember his street name, but I know his real name was Glenn. And I'll never forget, Glenn got saved on the street, okay? Glenn was the guy, I had a green sweater, and he said, yo, I like that sweater. And I took my sweater off and I gave him the sweater, and he wore it all the time because they lived on the street. And then he got sick, and he got AIDS, and he was sick, and he was like, he was like bones with skin on it. Okay, and his body had the pock marks, it's carposi, sarcoma, all over. There are these red, ugly bruises on him. His body was riddled, and he was like a, like, a, like a thin, like a skeleton with skin on it. And we would go visit him. We were with him before he died, and I remembered he grew a goatee. And he said to me one day, he's like, Yo, Al. You know, I wasn't a pastor. He was like, hey, Al, somebody just came in here and told me, you're a woman. You're this. He says, I'm not a woman. I'm a man. I've been made in the image of God. I'm going to go meet Jesus in a little while. Hallelujah. He said that to me. He said that to me. He said that to me. No one can take that away. That's what he said. He said, yo, I'm going to meet Jesus. I'm a man. Other guys got married and all that. And you know where it began? Holy affection. There are a lot of women who are broken because they've received so much unholy affection. Holy affection heals. It's very, very important. Very, very powerful. Our God is an affectionate God. But he's also a holy God. If men will walk in holy affection, it will heal this world. it'll heal all of the twistedness and the brokenness. That's the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let me say two more things about how a man reflects the heart of God when he does certain things. And then we'll close. I we got 5 minutes, so I'm going to say this in 5 minutes, all right? So, the third, the third way that he Represents the fatherhood of God, a man is number three, it's by expressing the forgiveness of God. The Bible says that God delights to show mercy. The Father's greatest strength, our Heavenly Father's greatest strength is found in the resurrection because when he rose from Jesus from the dead, he defeated sin and death. But embedded in the resurrection is the incredible forgiveness of God. You see, our God doesn't hold grudges. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't hold grudges and he, do, he doesn't keep our record of sin? How many would say amen? And so, whether it be your home or just society, when men walk in the forgiveness of God, they are acting like God. See, weak people can't forgive. Strong people can Strong people say, you can't hurt me to the point that I won't forgive you. When you can't forgive someone, it's a sign of weakness. It's a sign of like you're trying to protect yourself. But God doesn't protect himself. God laid down his life. And he's willing to forgive us over and over and over again. His mercies are new every morning. And when a man walks in the forgiveness of God, powerful things happen to everyone around him. Because when we forgive like God, we're actually acting like God. And so part of the release and part of the freedom... It all begins, brothers, when we start to express God's forgiveness. Express God's forgiveness. Maybe you're here and your father hurt you. Express God's forgiveness. I was talking to someone today who's, who was hurt by their father, and, and, and I was saying to them, Listen, your father doesn't know God, but you know God. The spirit of fatherhood is more on you than on him. But you got to forgive him. You see? And when, when men express the forgiveness of God, powerful things are released. And people around him are released in powerful ways. Then here's the last thing. We're going to close. This is a heavy message, right? Wow. This is deep. But true. So true. Here's the last thing. So man, he represents the fatherhood of God, all men, by demonstrating faith in God. In other words, when we pursue God, we become like God. Communion with the Father ultimately reflects the Father. There's something about when a man goes after God. The best kind of physical example is found in the New Old Testament when Moses would go up to talk to God and he would go up and talk to God and without realizing it, as he would talk to God, he would then come down. And when he would come down, his face was shining. You know what that was, right? That was the glory of God reflecting from God onto Moses and from Moses onto the people. You see, and when we walk by faith, when you, How many know when you spend time with God, you become like him? That's what's so beautiful and so powerful about this, brothers. Okay? Don't try to change yourself, brothers. Just get into the Father's presence. Because to be with him is to become like him. Now, I want to close by highlighting how biblical fatherhood strikes an amazing balance. Okay, here's the balance. And every home needs this. Every, Every school needs this. Every city needs this. This is, every country needs this. The proper balance between authority and affection, forgiveness and faith. Everyone, let's say that together, ready? Authority and affection, Forgiveness and faith. All of that happens when a man walks in the image of his heavenly father. I want to close today. Listen. When you go to church, you should sing. You should pray. There's all kinds of things that should be done. But all of it should be sacred. I mean, we should have serious talks from the pulpit. Okay. I know the church is not entertainment; it's worship. Can I get an amen? Amen! Hallelujah! And so, look, we want to do something sacred. We want to pray for all of the men. I want every man in the room to stand. Come on! That includes every boy, all the boys, all over the. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We don't have a lot of time, but the right way to do this is to call you forward. So you know what? Slip out of your seat. We'll, we'll, we'll do this fast, but slip out of your seat and come to the altar. And we're going to pray today. We're going to pray for the image of God to be poured out in a fresh and a new way from heaven. Get up close to the altar, guys, so that there's room. Amen. Amen. Get close, guys. Get as close as you can. Allelu- Come on, lift your hands. God is going to do something powerful right now. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Come on, brothers. Sing it as a prayer. Lift your hands to him. I believe in you. I believe. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Come on, let's exercise just a little bit of faith. Just tell God, I worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. All the brothers, let men everywhere lift up holy hands in prayer. Let's do what the Bible says. Let's demonstrate faith right now. Hallelujah. We believe in your power. We believe, oh God, we seek your face right now, oh God. Believe Hallelujah. Pour out your image. Come on, everyone, begin to pray. God, pour out your image upon me in a fresh way. We pray for the powerful image of God. Hallelujah. We pray for dominion. We pray for authority. We pray for likeness all over this room. We pray for fruitfulness by your mighty power all over Hallelujah. I want every man To take the hand of the other man Ladies I want you to stretch out your hand towards the front There are deep things at this altar But we're going to believe God to do a new work of authority That means that in some cases Fear is going to be broken off by the power of the Holy Spirit affection we're going we're to pray for a baptism of holy affection a work of holiness is going to be done at this altar that's what we're asking God to do right now a work of holiness at this altar hallelujah we're going to pray for freedom through forgiveness forgiveness Hallelujah. There are a lot of brothers who've been injured and wounded unjustly, but today the Spirit of God is here to give freedom and forgiveness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for faith. So, brothers, pray right now. Come on, everyone begin to pray. We pray, oh God, for authority, oh God. God, help every man to walk in your authority. oh God God we pray today for holy affection we ask that you would sanctify us make our affections holy by your mighty power oh God we pray for a work of freedom oh God God we pray for forgiveness today we pray that every brother that's been wounded and hurt God remove roots of bitterness and roots of pain remove trauma today by your mighty power oh God make men strong today strong like you strong enough to forgive again oh God make every man a man of faith man of faith hallelujah and I want you to pray now everyone praying going to pray a prayer of dismissal, but there is a mission. The mission is that every man would be an image bearer wherever you go. Hallelujah. So we pray right now, Father, for every man. God, when they walk in, let them know that God has shown up, oh God. God, we pray, oh God, that every man would bear your image, oh God will bear your likeness, O oh God. I pray that tonight, oh God, beginning with tonight, things will be different. I pray that tomorrow on the job would be different, oh God. In school, oh God, release every man in this place, O oh God, to bring your presence, to bear your image, and to give you glory, O oh God. We thank you, and we praise you. We release every man Oh, God, and we release every Christian now to walk in your joy, in your peace, in your strength, and in your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise.